When you see the life of Christ and you think about His three years of ministry and how He was heading to the cross, one of the things that you will see in Scripture mentioned um, perhaps more than just about anything else is that He is going to return. I mean, think about it. In the last few days of Jesus' life, Matthew 24, for example, after He is um, talking about the and prophesying about the impending destruction of Jerusalem that would happen around A.D. and A.D. 70, which was devastating. Hundreds of thousands of Jews were going to lose their lives uh, and or, or be, uh, be taken away into slavery. After he gives all of these signs about when those things were going to take place, he then transitions and begins to talk about looking for and being ready for Jesus' return. So as Jesus is heading to the cross to save us from our sins, to take the sting of death away, to take the penalty of sin upon Himself, He says things like this in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 37, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Notice this, Matthew 24, 37, He speaks of the coming, the future coming of the Son of Man. Verse 39, He speaks of the coming of the Son of Man again. Verse 44, Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Verse 45, excuse me, verse 46, Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing, as he talks about the parable of the faithful servant and the evil servant. Verse 48, But if that evil servant says in his heart, My master is delaying, his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and, and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come. We see beginning there in Matthew 24 and verse 36, but of that day and of that hour, he is wanting people to begin thinking. He wanted his disciples to begin thinking. He wants his church that would be established after his death, burial, and resurrection the church that we have a privilege to be a part of, He wants us thinking about His return. Chapter 25 in the parable of the five wise and five foolish virgins, verse 6, the bridegroom is coming, as was read for us a few moments ago. Notice just how many references to His coming. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. And then He tells the parable of the talents about the master who gave his servants five talents, two talents, and one talent, and then he went away and what? And then returned. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse 31, you read again, When the Son of Man comes in His glory. This is... I would suggest to you is the theme of the book of Acts, really the end of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I mean, Jesus is returning. From the book of Acts through the book of Revelation, Jesus is returning and how we are to live our lives in view of that. If we are living our lives, whether Christians or non-Christians, but especially as Christians, if we're living our lives and we're not living it regularly, 
and if at all possible, daily, in view of. I mean, when I, when I say daily, I mean, I know sometimes we can be distracted because from the time we wake up in the morning to go to, we go to bed at night, there may be some days that are devastatingly distracting from all sorts of just things going on in life. But if at all possible, every day we wake up, we go to bed, we think about living this day in view of the return of Christ. If we do that, don't you think we're going to live better lives? In view of the return of Jesus? Peter would remind those of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, and uh, Asia and Bithynia. He would remind them that they are pilgrims and he says... In verse, well, let me just read verses 4 and following for us. I, in fact, I'll read verses 3 and following of 1 Peter chapter 1. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us. Does that sound familiar? Kind of what we read in John chapter 3, being born again. He's begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ from the dead. To what? to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away. Reserved where? Reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be what? To be revealed in the last time. Verse 6, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, by... Uh, need be, you, you have been grieved by various trials that, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found, notice this, to the praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The first point I'd like to make this morning is simply that there's coming a day that Jesus will be revealed from heaven. And it's, it's not some make-believe day. It is as real as me standing here today and you sitting on that nice comfy pew. That Jesus is coming back. He would say in 1 Peter 1 and verse 13, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at, at what? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. Him coming back. Paul would say it this way as he was writing to the, to the church at Thessalonica. He would say that Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and, do not, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does he say? He says Jesus is revealed from heaven. This is the revelation of Jesus. That day is coming. He would say a chapter before or two chapters before in first. Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 17, The Lord Himself will descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. That day is coming. Whether that day comes before I pass from this life, or you pass from this life, or later, that day is coming. And that's one of the messages there of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 
And it's a day that's coming that we have no earthly idea when it is going to be. Matthew chapter 24, uh, verses 3 through 30, uh, about 34, that has to do with the destruction of Jerusalem. All those signs that he's talking about. When you see these things coming, you better head to the, the mountains, get out of Jerusalem because it's going to be destroyed. But he says, but of that day and of that hour, no one knows. Jesus said even when he was on earth, he did not know. Uh, in fact, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, Paul would say, but concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief, in the night. We, we read from 2 Peter, or we quoted 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, I believe it was last hour in the Bible class period, where he talks about the, the long-suffering of God, and he certainly is. He says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, some count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But then he says, But... The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? How do thieves come? You know, like, if a, if a thief was going to break into your car outside right now, is he going to come in here and tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, I just want to let you know I'm, I'm going to be outside and, and I'm going to break in, I'm going to break your window in so that I can take the handbag or the purse or whatever I can find in there. Is that how thieves work? You know, several years ago, maybe it was about 20 years ago or so now, got a call at work in the middle of the day, about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, Eric, I need you to come home. Like, what's going on? Well, Jana said she had just arrived under our little carport area with two small kiddos in the back seat, and she said the door has been broken in. It was at a time that was very unexpected that some crooks had gone to our house, broken into the door, and gathered all the stuff up. You know, th those, those crooks... By the way, Jana must, she must be kind of scary because she got home and the postman said that he saw some men running down the street and they had gone out the front door. They left everything except our remote control by the back door where they were, they were about to you know, back a car up and get everything. I don't think Jana's that scary, but anyway, she scared them away. You know, thieves, they didn't call me at work and say, hey, Eric, we're, we're coming by. In fact... Eric, we're going to give you a whole week's notice, a whole month's notice. We're going to come on this day at this time. We're going to break down your door, and we're going to go try to steal stuff in your house. That's not how they work. In fact, you would think that they would just have come, you know, in the dead of night when we weren't home, maybe. They just came at a totally unexpected time. You know, one of the themes of the Bible is just be ready. Be ready. And, and please understand, I, I don't think I, I understood this or appreciated this as much when I, when I was younger. 
God's not telling us this because He wants us to live a scared life. He he doesn't want us to, to be scared. I mean, think about this. Let's say that you have a... I'm just going to use a military family as an example because I think of military people being deployed. And Let's just say that there was a wife of a military man who has been deployed and he gets some leave time and he gets to come home and he doesn't tell his wife about it. Okay, think about it. Just think about the illustration. Okay, in fact, let's think about two families, two spouses, two, two husbands and wives, and you have one wife... Neither wife knows. One of those wives has been not so faithful to her husband, doesn't really care to see her husband that much, and in fact, she is, she's been committing adultery. In fact, maybe this man has been kind of staying at her house, or she's been staying at his house, and And her husband's coming home and she doesn't know it. The other wife is absolutely 100% committed to her husband. I mean, she's not perfect. She's burned the biscuits before. She has, you know, let's just say she's put on 15 pounds. You know, I don't don't know. Let's just, like I have, I think, this uh, last week since I've been here and eaten at Helen's last night, okay? Whoo, that was, I'm still just trying to get over about the five fish fillets or whatever I had last night. Let's just say that, that you can think of other reasons why maybe she's not perfect, but she loves her husband. She can't wait to see her husband. She doesn't even know he's coming. Let me ask you this. When the faithful wife, when her husband rings the doorbell or walks in, is she going to be like, oh no, I'm scared to death that you were home? No. She's going to be, number one, she might, she'll probably start crying as soon as she sees him. He probably will too. They're so excited to see each other. They just love each other. They can't stand being apart from each other. Is she scared to see her husband? No. Just like super excited. But what about the unfaithful wife? She's shocked. She's scared. She ain't ready. She hadn't been ready, and she can't fake it. We get to choose as a Christian whether we love the Lord our God with all our, our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, or and we love our neighbor as ourselves, or or whether we are just whether we're just playing around, whether we are just kind of being a Christian in name only, and we know that. We are not committed to Jesus. Jesus says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. He's told us repeatedly. You you just read and heard a number of times, and and that's not all of them. The first message that you read that, that, that God revealed to the apostles, Acts chapter 1, about verses 6 through 9, as Jesus ascended up into heaven, they said what? As you see him go up in the clouds, that's how he's going to return. He's coming back. The very first message after Jesus went up is he's coming back. Not to set foot on this 
earth. We have no indication of that in Scripture. But that He's coming back to take His people to a new home. And He says, let your heart not be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will... This is the last night he had with his apostles before he was betrayed and crucified. I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus is telling us, he's telling his apostles here, I'm coming back. You want to be saved? Know that Jesus is the way to the Father. He's the only way to the Father. And He wants us, He wants us to, to look forward to it. Well, Eric, how, how do I look forward to the return of Christ? Well, and we, we just gave one example. It seems to me that, you know, when I, oftentimes when I'm gone and and Jana is not with me. When Am I looking forward to getting home to her? I mean, those of you who are married, those of you who are children that have parents who maybe have been out of town and your mom or dad comes back, you know, if you've been behaving, we just can't wait to see mom and dad. If you've not been behaving, you know, you, you hear about, well, you know, the parents are away and the, kids throw some kind of wild party and the parents come home while the party's going on. Is that what the parents want to see? But what if those kids are looking forward to their mom and dad's return? Husbands and wives looking forward to seeing each other. You know, another theme of the, of the Bible is not just of, of Scripture and the New Testament is not just that Jesus is returning, but that God's people can live with such hope such faith and such love. And you see those three words repeated throughout the New Testament that we can live daily with such a trusting faith in God. Imperfect, absolutely. Read 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. We're imperfect. But we we, we understand that sin is a mistake that we don't want to make, but that we do. But it's not a habit that we just keep following and keep wallowing in and just begin walking in darkness and just kind of fake walking in the light. God says, God says we can, in fact, in that passage in 1 Peter where he says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. First, Second Peter, excuse me, chapter 3 and verse 10. And he, and he says, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? That's, that's how he wants us to act, with, in holy conduct and godliness. And then he says this in chapter 3 and verse 12. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Looking for and hastening it. You mean, we, wait a minute, Jesus, or, or Peter just reminded us what Jesus had said and Peter would have heard him say it, that you know, no man knows the day nor the hour. He's going to come like a thief in the night, something that Paul had said to the church at Thessalonica as he wrote to them in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse 2. 
He's going to come like a thief in the night. No one's going to know when that return is. You need to be watchful. But he says, you, you and I, when we live a, a, a trusting faith in God, like a faithful husband to his wife or a faithful wife to her husband, we can actually look forward to. I am so far removed from a perfect man. I mean, you know, if you were to look at me and look at my life on a film, you'd say, bless his heart. And even though I've been far, far from a perfect man, by the grace of God, by the mercy of God, by the love of God, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, through the blood that cleanses us from all sin, I can't wait till Jesus comes. There's a lot of heartache and a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. Death. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, I'm tired of it. Says the man who just had hip surgery for about the third time, right? <laughs> yeah. I can't wait for paradise. I can't wait for heaven. It's not my call. I mean, I don't get to say, you know, I want to go today, so, you know, take me. And I'm not suggesting that every time someone breathes their last breath, that God has caused that to happen. You know, man has free will, and so there are a number of terrible things that people can choose and do. It's not our call to say, I want to go be with Jesus today, and so, no, that's, that's not my call. Paul said, as I believe we've already noted this weekend, he said, for to me, to live is Christ, and what? And to die is gain. Did Paul look forward? You know, we just, we just read from, from Peter, Peter's words by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. What is it that, that Paul would say? Well, this is what he said to the, the brethren in, in Philippi, in Philippians chapter 3. He would say, and I'm going to start back with verse 17. He would say, Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a, a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. May God help us to not set our mind on earthly things. I'm not saying we can't watch a Super Bowl. I'm not saying we can't enjoy a vacation. I don't believe that's what God is saying. But our life is characterized by someone sees us, if they get to know us, they... they begin to learn that, that we're, not, we're not just looking forward to earthly things. That we are motivated by looking forward to heaven. And yes, Jesus died for us so that we could not be afraid of His return, but that we might look forward to His return. Paul would say this in the very next verse, he would say, for our citizenship is in heaven. 
from which we also eagerly wait. What did he say? Eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. If we are continually reminded, if we are living our lives in such a way that we know that those who know us best and those who hopefully see our light shine can see that that person lives like their citizenship is in heaven, then we can look forward to the return of Christ. I'm not... I recognize that we have different personalities. Some people's personalities are much more expressive. Some people's personalities are much less expressive and maybe much more reserved. And that's okay. God can use all the differences that we have and we can all look forward to this. If we're understanding where our citizenship is. You know, I'm thankful to be a citizen of the United States of America. I feel very blessed. I am thankful that there have been men and women who have paid the ultimate price for us to be able to have this. Of course, first and foremost, I believe that we need to thank our God for that. And then appreciate those who serve and protect us in a variety of ways. And when it comes election time, I will go and vote because I, you know, I, I think that you have different choices and, and if we're, we're going to have freedoms to vote, I'm, I'm going to vote and, and, and hope and pray for the best for our country. But let me remind us of the country that we are as Christians most, most, most concerned about and happy about and in love with is that Christian country, that heavenly country. Abraham was called out of his home of the Ur of the Chaldees, to go wander in tents in the land of Canaan for years. And the Hebrews writer says that he waited for that city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. If, if we are continually reminded of, and remind ourselves of, and help remind others of, and have our as Paul would say to the, to the church at Colossae, have our mind set, our affection set on things that are above, not on things on the earth. Listen, America has, the United States of America, there's like 330 million people who live here. That's what I've heard anyway. There are 8 billion people on this planet, approximately, from what I hear. So 7.7 billion people live outside of the United States. I hope that they can appreciate maybe what freedoms that they have and appreciate things about their countries. There's a lot of countries in this world. Is it just people from the U.S. going to heaven? Absolutely not. Is our main motivation in life what happens in politics in the United States of America? Listen, I'm going to tell you all something. 2024 is probably going to be a circus of all circuses in this country. And I say that as a man who wants the best for our physical country and our nation. I pray for our nation. I want what's best on a local, state, and federal level. But I tell you what country I'm most concerned about. 
and what I believe every Christian should be. And that's the heavenly country. Paul said, If then you were raised with Christ, seek... This is chapter 3 and verse 1 of Colossians. Seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your affections or set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Verse 4, when Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. You will appear with Him in glory. Is that something to look forward to? Amen. Amen. Jesus died, promised to return, because He wants you to be saved, He wants me to be saved, He wants everyone to come to a knowledge of the truth and be saved and live eternally with Him forever and ever and ever and ever in eternal bliss. I don't understand all that, but it's going to be great. It's going to be better than visiting Center Grove, and it's always a blessing to come and visit you all and be with you all. It's going to be better than having a fellowship meal. As much as I like fried chicken and fried okra and everything else fried under the sun, I suppose. It's going to be better than Christmas with the family. Of course, sometimes Christmases can get a little crazy. <laughs> it's going to be better. What's your favorite dessert? I, I personally, in fact, today I might stop by a gas station and get a king-size Snickers and a ice-cold Coca-Cola, maybe with a piece of pepperoni pizza. Mm. Oh, heaven's going to be much better than that. You know, we sometimes sing that song that has the phrase in it, a foretaste of glory divine. You know, whatever, whatever privileges we have, and I say privileges, I mean whatever little things that spoil us on earth, like having fried catfish last night, or having a Snickers bar for a snack, or getting to drink a cup of coffee on my back, porch with Jana. It's just a, I, I think that one maybe Christian way to look at special pleasures like that is to think, thank you Lord for letting me have this, but this is nothing compared what, what heaven's going to be like. You want to go to heaven? Let's go to heaven together. Let's think about it. Let's dream about it. Let's talk about it. Let's live for it. That's the message. Jesus is returning, and we can look forward to that return. G John would say, the Apostle John would say, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. We can know it. If we have obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ and we are walking with Him. We talked about Enoch last night who walked with God for 300 years. If we are walking with God hand in hand in trusting faith, are, are we going to mess up like Peter did sometimes? The Apostle Peter? Was he, was he a faithful apostle of Jesus Christ? I believe he was. 
Did he mess up sometimes? I mean, at one moment, he was, he was trying to protect his Lord, and he cut off the ear of Malchus, and a few hours later, what did he do? He denied Jesus three times. And then he was preaching the gospel in Acts chapter 2. He was being arrested three different times in Acts chapters 4 and 5, get, get, getting beaten, and he left there praising God. And then as Paul writes Galatians chapter 2, Paul has to confront Peter to the face, he said, because of some dissimulation, some favoritism that he was showing to the Jews over the Gentiles. Peter wasn't perfect. Eric's certainly not perfect. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And even when we decide, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to become a Christian, I'm going to confess Jesus, I'm going to turn away from sin, I'm going to be immersed in water for the forgiveness of sins, even then... If we live very long, we're going to sin. But the Bible says, hey, hey, be humble. And you confess that sin. And you turn away from that sin. And you, you just keep going. Don't, don't go into darkness. Keep walking in the light. And when Jesus comes back, we can look forward to that return. If you're not a Christian, won't you come one, become one today? If you are a Christian and you realize... If you're living a life in such a way that you're scared to death of the return of Jesus, then make a change. And, and, and don't just keep it to yourself. Talk to an elder. Talk to uh, a brother or sister in Christ who will help you, who will, will encourage you and help you walk in the light so that we can arm in arm look together for the return of Jesus. Before... Or after I pass from this life, I don't know. But I know God is good. And through His goodness, my faith and your faith is perfected.